Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Gospel of John, chapter 14. Now we've used a scripture, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, we use it for a jumping off scripture. And you don't have to turn there this morning to reference it. I'll just quote it to you, but it's in 2 Corinthians 4.18. For we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal. My favorite translation of that is this. Things that are seen are subject to change. So you think about the most major negative event that you're facing in your life right now. Thank God that's subject to change. But it says the things that are unseen are eternal. And I like, I just kind of pull a scripture out of Psalms 119. It's forever settled in heaven. Everybody say forever. Forever, forever that means your salvation is settled. Your healing is settled. Your prosperity is settled. Your joy, your righteousness, it's, it's already settled. You don't have to argue for it or argue, or argue to get it into your life. It's already settled. Thank God. Amen. Now, here in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, you know, there's a simplicity to serving God. I found this out real quick. Problems in life can be very complicated. Any amens on that one? I mean, your, your life can get woven into a knot sometimes. And you think, how in the world am I going to untie all this? I kind of liken it to a, uh, for our fishermen that understand uh, we throw those bait casting reels. If you ever get a bad backlash, sometimes the best thing to do is not just to try to get the backlash out, but just cut it off, cut the line out. Thank God the Word is quick and powerful and sharp enough to cut all the bad things out of our life. Amen. But now this, in its simplicity, gives us our instruction on how to love God and how to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, we're dealing with unseen things, the unseen God, the creator and redeemer of the world, more evidence of His existence than there could be of anything else on the earth. The Bible says nature itself declares His glory, and if we view it and declare there's no God, we're fools. Amen. Just the fact that the sun rises in the, in the, in the east and sets in the west is a demonstration of the glory of God. So, if you love me, now listen, it's very simple. If you love me, it's not based on a feeling. It's not based on an emotion. If you love me, okay, there's going to be some proof. Keep my commandments. Now, I know there's always, you know, and, I, and, I, and I, I sympathize and I have mercy, but we have to understand if we don't stick with the word, what do we have? You know, anything. Amen. We're not religious people. People say, Him Island Church people, they're super religious. No, we're not. We have no religion whatsoever. Can I get a better amen than that? But there's always going to be the person that, you know, uh, you know Uncle Bob, he's, he's a good man, and, and boy, he takes care of his family, and, and I know he doesn't go to church, and, and, you know, every once in a while he'll do this, but, you know, he really loves God. Well, okay, you know, I understand what you're saying, but in reality, Uncle Bob doesn't love God if he's not keeping the commandments of God. That's the proof. That's the litmus test of your love for God is you keep His commandments. Amen. And then what do we do? We spend a lifetime of exploring the dimension of what those commandments are. Amen. Now notice this. You love me. Keep, uh, you keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he shall give you, now I like this term, another comforter, primary comforter. Who's the primary? Anybody know? That's Jesus. 
And then secondarily, he says, I'm going to give you another comfort. You know, if I give you a dollar, you have how much? Does anybody know? If I give you a dollar, you have how much? Remember, we're going to keep things simple. If I give you a dollar, how much do you have? And I'm going to give you another dollar, how much do you have? Two dollars. So you got two sources of great comfort. And that's not even including a pastor that loves you, a church that loves you, your friends and family that love you, and everybody else. But you have two that are divine, that love you, that have power, that care about you. Amen? And they're going to give you not just one comfort, but another. That means both the Spirit and the Word are designed to comfort you. You know, I don't know if you've ever really done a word study on the word comfort, but actually the word comfort relates to relief from pain. Have you ever had... Uh, to have immediate relief from pain. I was, you know, a real hero when I first went into the ministry. I was brave. I wasn't going to take anything. And, and one day I ended up with appendicitis. So I made a decision when they were wheeling me into the, to the opera. I said, when I wake up, I ain't taking no pain medicine. Bless God, I'm a man of faith. I'm going to wake up worshiping. So I woke up and I remember the first thing I saw was the clock on the wall. They got those clocks in the recovery room. They got all those deals. And so the, the thing was right. And I, and I took a breath and I went, hmm. And the nurse said, do you need something for pain? I said, what do you got? Amen. <laughs> and she said, well, I got a pill or a shot. I said, what's faster? She said, a shot. I said, I'll take the shot. So she drew up, well, I don't know what is, I guess some kind of pain medicine into a syringe. And I remember every time when you, if you've, anybody have ever had a, a appendix surgery, they cut the, what's it, the worst doc at, the peritoneum? They cut that. So every time you breathe, it pulls on that, on that, on that surgical, those, and you couldn't breathe without it. I mean, and I remember that, 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 that pain medicine going into my body and I could breathe. And I was comforted. See, I know what I'm talking about. Now we know people abuse all that kind of stuff, but in reality, it's a good thing. Amen? But here's the deal. There is a comfort that comes from the unseen realm beyond pain medication, beyond, uh, 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 what would you call it, uh, psychological medication or anything else you could self-medicate yourself with. There is a comfort that comes from God Himself in the person of His Son who is the Word of God and in the person of His Spirit who He has put on the inside of you. Let's stay with it just for a moment. I notice this, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Now let's look right there, whom the world cannot receive. Now it's talking about the world in their current state. But let me say this, there is something in every man, woman, and child on the earth that desires God. Years ago, I heard an old evangelist say, there's a big hole in everybody. And they try to fill that hole with, with a husband or a wife or a child or a family or, or money or fame or success or drugs or alcohol. Or, you know, you, you, they just keep stuffing stuff in there trying to see if something fits. Nothing fits until you get God in there. That's the place where God belongs in your life. And when you're in the world, there is a magnetic pull called the preaching of the gospel that goes forth into the world and it, God draws people with His love to become a part of His family. It's one of the most powerful, powerful things that God has done since redemption. Amen? Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, 
neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Everybody say, with you and in you. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the, the, the red letters in my Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ is telling us that according to the will of the Father, the plan of God is for the Spirit of God to work in two ways in your life. Now, just for time and simplicity's sake, it's this way. He wants to abide. He wants to live. He wants to dwell. What would it be like if God lived with you? He does. <laughs> I heard one guy, he said that one time, then he corrected, we ought to pray to God like he's alive. Then he caught himself, said, well, he is alive, amen. <laughs> he is alive. Everybody say, he is alive. Yeah. Amen. So there, there is that dimension of the Spirit, which, which, which abides, that's the new birth. Then Dad talked about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the part of that Spirit that empowers. Now, what's unique about Christianity and the way people believe Many times we're religiously indoctrinated instead of New Testament taught. Now let me say that again. We get spiritually, religiously, denominationally indoctrinated. Now indoctrination, you know, it's, it's more than just teaching the Word. Indoctrination is taking a point of spirituality and putting your own spin upon that and then imparting it so that people's mindset is that way. You know, the great charismatic renewal, we were there before it happened. We begin to see the beginnings of the charismatic renewal in, uh, in, in, in our church at First Assembly of God in Pasadena where Brother and Sister J.R. Goodwins were the pastor. We begin to see in 1962, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 60, we begin to see the beginnings of the stirring of the charismatic move. You say, well, what, was, what, what, what exclamated the charismatic move? People getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Millions of Catholics and Methodists. And Lee and I were at a meeting in, 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 uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana, in which the entire uh, uh, Superdome, is that Superdome in New Orleans? Am I right? Superdome was, was packed. Thousands of nuns and priests, and they're all worshiping God, dancing in the Holy Ghost, prophesying. Remember that? We were like going. Amen. We should have known the charismatic movement was starting when Pop got the Holy Ghost. He was a good Baptist deacon. <laughs> and Mom got delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. Your brother and sister Goodwin's church and dad go sit in the back. And one day, Mom Goodwin, she's a little overweight. She come wiling up the aisle with that crooked finger and went like this. And next thing you know, Pop's speaking in tongues. Ruined him. Amen. <laughs> So that's the spirit that what? There's the spirit that abides. Then there's the spirit that empowers. The devil don't want you to have any of it. And then, you know, I end up in Bible school and somebody who would, would have been probably one of the preeminent denominational pastors of this area ended up, he ended up filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and raised up the great Lakewood Church. That happened because somebody got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues. There is an unseen power unavailable to men and women who are just born again. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Honey, there is power in the new birth. There is power in being born again. There is power in that righteousness coming on the inside of you, in that iniquity being circumcised out of your spirit, man. But honey, I'm going to tell you something. When you get empowered by that same spirit, because Jesus said he's going to be in you and he's going to be with you. That's talking about the spirit that abides and the spirit that empowers. Amen. Now, real quick, how's my time? I'm doing good. Real quick, go to 
Go to the book of Acts. We'll stop there and then we'll go to the letters to the church, John's letters to the church real quick. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now notice, he's speaking to a select group of people. Of the 500 that witnessed his ascension into heaven, in which he said, I will, or the angel actually said, Jesus didn't say, the angel said he'll return the same way he came. Thank God. Amen. Aren't you glad Jesus is coming back soon? Sooner the better. Glory to God. But in the meantime, we're going to labor till he comes. He says, Jesus says, to that select group of people that are heading for the upper room, he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now, keep that in mind. Go up to verse 4. I want to read verse 8 first. Keep that in mind. Go up to verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, notice the keyword, commanded them. Amen. Now, remember what we read in John chapter 14. The world receiveth it not. It neither, neither knows him, nor does it see him. Are you with me? Now, these people, I don't know how many men and women there were. I trust Jesus' mother was there. Mary Magdalene was there. All of the, uh, the 11 uh, apostles that were still functioning, they were there. Uh, there could have been some of the blind people that he healed. There could have been some of the lepers that he healed. Some of the people that ate the bread. Some of the people that knew he calmed the sea. All of the things that Jesus did. Out of all of those people, only 120 ended up in the upper room. But here's what's unique about that 120, what a lot of people don't understand. They were all saved. They were all born again. You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Number one, Jesus can't command the world. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus cannot command the world. He can only command those who belong to him. And if you belong to him, he's got some commands for you. But if you obey those commands, it's proof of your love toward God. And then there are benefits. Yeah, we get into that later. You'll get too happy. It says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be Witnesses. Now notice it did not say you shall do witnessing. It says you shall be. And anytime you see the word be, that's dealing with what? Your identity. There is a strength of identity that comes into the lives of those that dare to obey this commandment and get filled with the Holy Ghost. There is a strength of identity where you no longer try to do something, you be something. Amen. Do you do ministry? No, I'll be a minister. You see what I'm talking about? And literally, that is what God wants to use to complete His deposit of the Spirit in your life. You say, what do you mean? It's not just the deposit of a Spirit that comes and abides. It's the Spirit that abides and empowers the same Spirit. You said, well, how can He do that? He's God. I'll leave it with that. Amen. Now, real quick. First John. Not the Gospels, but 1 John. I'll close with this one. This is a good one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. It says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now how many, since you get born again, you have sinned? You don't have to raise your hand. 
Everybody. You don't have to raise your hand. Amen. We all have. Amen. So then what's this scripture mean? Well, what in the world can this scripture mean? Whosoever is born of God. Well, I must not be born of God. I cussed my neighbor out yesterday. No, I didn't, but you know, you probably did. <laughs> Amen. He said, you know, in reality, he said, how can I be born of God? I continue to sin. I continue to break his command. How can this be true? Here's the key. In speaking here, he is not speaking of individual acts of sin. He is speaking of the nature on the inside of you that desires to sin. I mean, if you really, if you really do an inventory of your life before Christ, you are by nature a sinner. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But don't get mad at sinners. I'm telling you, I'm so stirred up of all these people doing all this crazy stuff, all this perversion, all these drugs, all this, all that. It's their nature. It's their nature. And one of the greatest miracles of the new birth is that God came and took that nature out of you. You say, then why did I cuss my neighbor? The reason is, is the nature that was on the inside of you before you got born again was a trainer. I say trainer. It's, there's a difference between teaching and training. Amen? I tried to teach my dog how to be a good duck hunting dog, but I found out I had to train it. I mean, I read it the book. It just kind of looked at me. So I had to train it. Amen? So you've got to understand that trainer on the inside of you, his name was iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. He taught your mind and he taught your flesh how to break the laws of God and how to do things that were destructive to you. And actually, that force was so strong on the inside, you would bypass your own common sense. Y'all looking at me so holy this morning. Anybody ever smoked cigarettes before you got saved? You don't have to raise your hand. Do you remember your first cigarette? Remember that first one? Wasn't that the sweetest thing you ever sucked down your throat? Amen. The first cigarette you ever, I smoked my first one behind the church. Might as well be honest, amen? Shows you nobody's perfect. And I never coughed so much. I never hacked so much. And I realized later down the road, my body was telling me, oh, don't put that in them, my lungs anymore. Well, how do you end up a two-pack-a-day smoker? You have to continually override. I've, I've told the story here many times about the first beer I ever drank was in the parking lot of the Pasadena Rodeo, 1971. I was coming out of, the, out of the rodeo and there were some friends of mine sitting on the tailgate of a truck, had an ice chest full of beer and said, how about a beer? I think I was 16 or 16 years old and I thought, this is my day. Oh, I've waited all my life. Little backslidden Pentecostal boy. I'm gonna, this has got to be the elixir of the gods. I see those commercials on the TV. All the handsome men, all the beautiful women, they all do it. And I'll never forget this thought I had when I drank my first beer. I thought, my God, of all the beers in that ice chest, I done grabbed the rotten one. Wasn't rotten. 
the way it tastes. <laughs> hey, man. And people say, well, it tastes really good. That's because you've been drinking it for 25 years. And you have developed a taste. And your flesh and your mind develop a taste for sin. And iniquity trained you how to do it. Now you're born again. And that motivation is gone out of you. It's not in you no more. Thank God. I like to say it like this. There's a brand new want to on the inside of you. Yesterday, I'll tell you, I had a great day. Got up and did some chores around the house. The guy had a little surf off that storm, so I got to go surfing. And yesterday, I'm telling you, I smoked all the weed I wanted to smoke. You did. I didn't want to. I didn't. God will not only deliver you from a problem or a situation, He'll deliver you from the want to of it. Amen. Now, how did I get off on that? That was good anyway. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. So, here's the deal. When you got born again, your sins were remitted. That means they were removed from you as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you again. Thank God. God knows everything. No, there's one thing He does not know. He does not know your past. Oh, somebody ought to shout. I said somebody ought to shout. He does not know your past. But then when you do sin, as a child of God, God has given you an advocate called Jesus Christ and His blood, the Bible says, when you ask for forgiveness from God, cleanses the believer from all sin and all unrighteousness. How can the, how can the sinner be forgiven when his sins have not been remitted? But thank God when you get born again, your sins are remitted. And when you do sin as a believer, you can be forgiven. It's gone. That want to is gone. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. That means you have the responsibility to keep yourself. And that wicked one, now notice this, and that wicked one, who knows who the wicked one is, toucheth him not. Everybody say, toucheth him not. Now this is something that you're going to have to get a hold of. We've used that jumping off scripture. And it's, it's, it's a very, how can I say that, Lord? It's a daunting task. It's much easier to get up here with illustrated stories from the Bible or from my own experience and give a scripture and expound on the scripture and share experiences. But to get over into the Word of God, especially 2 Corinthians 4.18, and begin to talk about the unseen, the unseen, when you've got so many problems in the scene. So I went to the church. He talked about unseen. I need some money down here in the scene. I need to feel better here in the scene. I need to break through my marriage down here in the scene. The reason is, is because the more you're focused on what is in the seen realm, the more inhibited the unseen realm is to dump into your life that what you need. The miracle, the breakthrough, the answer to prayer. Because you're too focused on everything else that is seen and felt and tasted and heard and seen. Amen. Now you got to understand, church, here on this earth, the devil is loose. Have you, have you not seen that? That's one of the number one things this world needs to wake up to is there is a devil and he's loose right now. And he's doing things on this earth that have never been done before. And he's trying to arrange things to get himself into a place of power where he can bring that seven-year seven tribulation period. But that's not of the devil. That's of God. I literally believe right now that the enemy's trying to usurp that. 
Amen. He's always tried to do that with God's timing. He's always tried to either get ahead or get behind. Remember, he sent, the, uh, he sent all of those soldiers to Bethlehem two years. Jesus was gone. I grieve for all the babies they lost, but Jesus wasn't there. You say, why? Because the devil never can usurp the way God does things and the timing of God. But now here's the, here's the miracle I want you to see this morning. And I hope it will whet your appetite to begin to focus more on the unseen than you do on the seen. You say, why? Because your spirit, now you're born again. Listen, the devil will come after your body and try to attack you physically. He's done it to me many times. Thank God we have healing. Amen. But your body is subject to the attack of the devil. How about your mind? You ever had a problem with your mind? Devil come torment your mind, put all kinds of thoughts in your mind. And many times that's why we lose the battle is because we're too focused in our mind on the seen instead of the unseen. But the part of you, oh, this is so good. The part of you that carries the most relevance is not your flesh and is not your, our flesh every day is decaying. Our flesh is getting older every day. There's no reversing it. It's part of the fall. Amen. Our minds, oh my goodness. The Bible says our minds are an enemy to God. So we've got access by the devil to our flesh, access by the devil to our mind. What are we going to do, Pastor? Our spirit, the essence and reality of who you, without your spirit, your body doesn't live. Without your spirit, your mind doesn't function. Without your spirit, your body is dead. Amen. But the real you, the part of you that will exist forever, the part of you that if you were to die would go to heaven, is sealed by the Spirit of God. And the evil one cannot touch it. The most miserable times of my life, being backslid. Now let me tell you something about being backslid. Just because you're away from God doesn't mean you can't hear the voice of God. Honey, I'll tell you, sometimes the voice of God is louder to the backslider than it is to the believer. There were times when God would speak to me when I'd be away from the Lord, and I'd think, why are you even talking to me? I've done everything I can do to try to get away from you. Are you still following me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, that spirit on the inside was still born again. That spirit on the inside was still, my flesh and my mind had gone crazy, had gone wild. But the spirit on the inside of me, that's the very thing that when Billy Graham preached, he didn't preach to my flesh. My flesh was too messed up. He didn't preach to my mind. My mind was too messed up. He preached to the eternal part of me, the spirit man. And then on March the 7th, 1984, it woke up. And when it woke up, life radically changed for me and for the better. So don't just kind of put off, say, well, you know, I wish you'd preach on healing. Well, I will tonight. I'll preach on healing tonight. We should preach on, you know, renewing the mind. Well, I do that all the time. We should preach on project. I do that all the time. But in reality, the most important and valuable asset of who you are, your spirit man is now redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And God has found an abode. He lives in heaven. He lives in heaven. But he lives on earth in you. God is here. He's present in you. Thank God He is. Amen. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship You. We glorify Your name. Thank You for Your blessings. Thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your grace, Lord God. 
and all the good things you do. Brother Frank, if you'll come real quick, play softly on the keyboard. Every head bowed, every eye closed, real quick. Just, just for the sake of who we are. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I don't know Jesus is Lord. It's so simple. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that there is a God and He raised His Son Jesus from the dead. The Bible says that brings eternal salvation to your life. Or you may have been like me for years and you've broken your fellowship with God. But the good news is God has never broken His relationship with you. That spirit man on the inside of you is alive and it's crying out to be loosed for that's where the power and the life of God find their existence and reality in if you're in here this morning, say, Pastor, I'm not, not even born again. Don't even know if I would to die and go to heaven. Or you say, I am born again, but I, I haven't been living for God. I have been living right or doing right. I'm out of fellowship. And you'd like to get right with God this morning. We're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And when we pray that prayer, you pray it yourself. We're not going to call anybody up to the front or do anything like that. We're just going to have everybody pray that prayer. But before we do that, if that's you, and you need to get right with God with nobody looking but me, I want you to lift your hand right now. I want you to lift your hand right now. One hand, you can put it down after you've raised it. Anyone else? Anyone else? There's another. You can put it down after you've raised your hand. Got another one, Danny? One over there. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? Quickly, quickly, quickly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, two people have raised their hand. Last week, I think we had one. We do it for the sake of one. It does not matter. We're going to pray. So right there where you're at, bow your head. And very reverently, but out loud, every person, pray this prayer so your own ears hear it. Then after it's prayed, you settle it that you're right with God. Especially those two that raised their hand this morning. Amen. Out loud. Heavenly Father, right now, openly, publicly, unashamedly, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and is my Savior. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You sent your Son, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. Heavenly Father, you know me better than I know myself. Areas of my life which I have sinned I ask your forgiveness. I confess it to you and you alone. Thanking you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. Thank you, Heavenly Father. As I sit on Sunday morning at Island Church, I'm born again. I'm right with God. Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord. Put a want to in me. Put it in my spirit. Greater than my flesh. Greater than my mind. Especially in these last days. To serve you with all of my heart, with all of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you for today as we leave. We claim the protection, the safety afforded us through your word. Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, in our travels and in the righteous labor of our hands, we declare we are protected in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. The fire of God, the zeal of God, 
our personal witness in every one of our lives. Thank you that it's rising to a new level. Thank you that our eyes are fixed on the unseen. Our heart is fixed on the unseen. And out of the unseen, we draw grace and mercy to be the people you've called us to be here on the earth. Thank you, Father. We'll be an answer to prayer for people this week. We will be a problem to the devil and a miracle in people's lives. As we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you and love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.